0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. My name is Nick Berlanski, and I'm your host, joined as always by Nick Horwat here on this Thursday morning, as we have a little bit of Penn's news again, just trickling in piece by piece. Eventually, we'll get some bigger news to talk about, but as of right now, just a couple of smaller stories, a little bit of rumor mill on the contract negotiations with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, and then also a little bit on the coaching side with Todd Reardon and Mike Bellucci. We'll get into all of that, but Horwat, before any of that, I wanted to ask you, because you brought it up last week, I'm sure you're going to hammer it home until we figure out the result, how confident are you in your Johnny Gaudreau to Pittsburgh theory that you kind of just thrown out there and things are starting to look like there's at least some connective tissue there. Not a whole lot, but there's at least some connective tissue.
1: No, not a whole lot. I'm not super confident in it. I just figure okay. if, I just figure if the penguins lose one of Malkin or Latang, or even lose them both, especially if they lose them both, actually yeah. swing for the fences. We have a new ownership group that is not afraid to spend money and get out the checkbook. We have, mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby, who is still willing to win and will t- do whatever it takes to win, why not help him by surrounding him with very good players who, go- who are going to make a lot of money? If we lose one or both, swing for the fences on a guy like Johnny Goudreau. If you if you can only bring one back, maybe try the Nazem Kadri thing out, just because that's another piece that you could probably fit if you only keep one of them around. Um, I'm all about making a splash this summer because the Penguins aren't a team usually known for making splash offseason signings. Uh, the, I mean, you think back, Phil Kessel was a trade, so you can't really count yeah. that. Um, Galchenyuk was a bust and also not the biggest thing that offseason. It was also a trade. It was, uh, it was also a trade, that's true.
0: It was the Kessel trade.
1: <laughs> yeah, on the way out. How about that? So The mm-hmm. Penguins aren't known as a team to make the splash signings in free agency. I mean what the last few years there was the TANF signing that we didn't like at first there was uh, Brock McGinn this last year which it, let's just be real not a splash signing and then I'm just trying to think of other names that we've signed as free agencies on the opening day of but it's hard because we don't make those deals so why well, not the- throw one out there big name mm-hmm. you know like I said a Johnny Goudreau if we can't bring uh, one or two of them back Nazem mm-hmm. Kadri if you only get one or definitely not both it's Just the possibility, and just something that I want to see from this team because it'd be entertaining, it'd be fun, and then it gives us something to look forward to in the next season. If you lose them both, give these this fan base something to look forward to next season. (laughs) Don't just say it's the Sidney Crosby show.
0: Well, the other big thing, and we won't stick on this for very long. The other big thing is the Penguins have never had this type of cap space now, mostly because they've never let both of their or two of their three main pieces get the whole way to the point where they're at free agency. It's all been in-year contract extensions and stuff like that. So it's unprecedented territory for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And with that, let's move over to those superstars, of Guinea Malkin and Chris Letang. Of course, both still remain unsigned, but the latest we saw was earlier this week, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic, reporting that the Penguins have had, quote, ongoing dialogue with both star players since the season has come to a close. Now, in that same report, he said that it seems as if Evgeny Malkin is closer to being done with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they're a little bit stuck on money. On the other end, Latang has been in ongoing dialogue, just as Malkin has, but they're stuck on term. On that end, so of these two, Horwat, which one do you think gets done first? Because I really feel like Malkin's probably leaning towards being the first one that gets the deal yeah. I done.
1: think Malkin's gets done first because he's going to be the one that's a little more lenient with both money and term. And that's just the way he is. He's wanted to. Uh, st- he's said on multiple occasions he wants to stay here for the rest of his career. He's willing to take the pay cut. Uh, we called his bluff on that already, so now we work from there. <laughs> it's now yeah. just a matter of what do we get from him we can get him to move probably we can get him to come down on his number if that's what it's if that's what it's coming to uh whereas letang i mean money probably not an issue because whatever he wants he deserves money wise let's just tell like it is he had a career year at the age of 35 that doesn't happen often um so he is going to be stuck up on term which i do not blame anybody not wanting to give a 35 year old anything more than two to three years no matter how much they've meant to your team no matter what they've done for your team no matter no matter how good or bad they are i know i'm it's hard to predict things with age i always think i used to think 30 was that turning point in the league but i mean really it's 32 33 35 is definitely not that turning point it is not your hey you're at the end of your prime years no it is you're probably past your prime years somehow you put up a good year what do you have next year I don't want to say take Chris Tang like I did with Brandon Tanev, and that's year by year. No, he's Chris Letang. He's a different animal. um We know he's probably going to be good again next year, but that regression is coming at some point, and it can't mm. be. How much does he want? Like five years, something stupid.
0: I think five years is probably the number that he's trying to get, and I don't know if this is 3D chess checkers whatever Latang is trying to play or if he just believes that hey i can play five more years that's what i want but if you think about Sidney crosby's contract being up in three years you don't believe that crosby's going to be done with the sport of hockey in three years so maybe Latang is trying to say hey i want to line myself up with the end of my buddy crosby's career and expecting him to play two more years past his current deals expiration date so i don't know if it's that i would think it's more so Latang just saying hey I want to play myself for five more years. He probably wants to take himself the whole way up to age 40, but I can't see paying $8 million to a 40-year-old Chris Letang. That's that's the sticking point for Ron uh, Ron Hextall right now, and I don't blame him in the least. It's a, it's a tough thing whenever there's a negotiation with a, a city's favorite player. We saw it happen in Toronto. Everybody loved William Nylander until the contract stuff came out. Everybody loved Mitch Marner until the contract stuff came out. I don't think that it's going to get to that point because Toronto and Pittsburgh are vastly different hockey markets. But I do think it, it's going to be, unless these guys get a deal done quickly, tempers are going to flare a little bit in that negotiation
1: table between Letang and the hex Just a touch, just a touch. But it, the thing is that Letang's the harder one to replace. That's the big issue and the big holdup here is Letang would be the harder one to replace. I just named two names that could replace Malkin five minutes ago. And Cadre yeah. and Gaudreau, I and mean, that takes swinging for the fences, but it's something. And one of them's a winger, but still, yeah. The production at least gets replaced, uh, yes. Pull, if not supplemented. Um, yeah. That being said, too, it's the that top line right hand shot defenseman is hard to replace. I'm in the camp of if you lose Latang, no matter what happens with Malkin, you rebuild the defense and figure something out. You have to, ma- maybe you maybe have to make two to three, maybe four moves after that. Maybe four is a bit much, but you mm-hmm. know what I mean you got to make two to three trades to open up some space, find another name somewhere, and utilize your P.O. Josephs of the world. Utilize your Mark Friedmans of the world. Figure out other ways to make this defense work, and maybe it's John Marino's time. Who knows? I'd say if you lose Letang, it's rebuild season for the defense. If you lose Malkin, simple enough, you can replace him somewhere because second line centers – uh, not necessarily a dime a dozen, but you can replace him uh, by supplementing other positions and uh, filling in that spot somehow. Jeff Carter's not the ideal one for that, but you get where I'm coming from in saying if you cannot meet the agreement with Latang, you have to rebuild the defense, I think. Especially because it was so spotty last year. Sure, it was consistently mm-hmm. healthy for a good majority of the season, but we saw it toward the end. It just kind of fell apart the wheels fell off we don't know exactly what it was but something had to be changed there and if you lose crystal tank now's the offseason to do it switch it all up
0: Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't know if you can technically rebuild. I know what you're going with, but like rebuilding the defense while still trying to compete with the forward side of things and still trying to compete with Crosby's last couple of years. That's a really hard thing to be able to do. Now, I do agree that you need to make space for P.O. Joseph on the left side. We've said it multiple times this offseason already. We'll say it for the next three months until camp rolls around and probably throughout training camp. But still, you look at that right side. Without Chris Letang, it's very weak. I mean, John Marino was fantastic in the playoffs, but nobody's expecting John Marino to be able to play 22-plus minutes a night right now and continue to play at that pace. The bigger questions is after that. You have Chad Ruedel, who in his first full season with the Pittsburgh Penguins, meaning first full season actually playing, was good as a third-pairing defenseman, but at the same exact time, are you ready to make him a top four? Not really. Same with Mark Friedman. You can get him back to his normal side, which will help him and will make him better, and he did have good numbers last season, but still, when you look at that defense without Chris Letang on the right side, there's a lot of work to be done, as you stated. There's somebody that you need to bring in, whether that be via trade, via free agency. I don't know if there's really anybody out there in free agency top four-wise that will help supplement it. Now, I know... You're not going to find somebody that is Chris Letang. You're not going to find somebody that's going to come in and do what Chris Letang did. Top power play, top penalty kill, and 25 plus minutes a night. That's just not existent on the market right now. But you need to find somebody if you don't get a deal done with Letang, which, I mean, remains to be seen. They're still talking, and the fact that they've talked consistently for three straight weeks to try to get a deal done with both of these players is an encouraging sign but if it doesn't happen, I think that's what the Penguins are also preparing for. They need to bring in a top-four guy on the right side, and that is going to be costly in its own right. It's just a matter of do they get the guy they want at the term that they want, and that's the question they have right now with Chris. Yeah,
1: I mean, I could list off some of these right-handed defensemen, that, or at least right Ds on cap-friendly that are up for free agency, and it's not pretty. P.K. Subban, no thanks, not a top guy. Uh, yeah. Anton Stroman, top. he's old, so that no thanks. He's, he's Crystal Tang's age, but he's older than Crystal Tang in terms of mileage. Yeah, uh,
0: and he's not a top four yeah. guy right
1: now. John Klingberg, whose name has been tossed around as the guy to replace if we need to, but a lot of people keep looking at some harsh realities of him. Uh, I think mm-hmm. if you genuinely need to, go for him. Uh, Josh Manson, 30. Is he really a top-line
0: guy, though? And you got to also think about the fact that right now he's heading to the stanley cup finals which is gonna also implement if he if he if he wins and the colorado avalanche win there's a cup tax that comes every single year when these guys hit the open market and that's what you're gonna get with manson
1: justin schultz no thanks colin miller uh, maybe i don't know i don't think he could
0: a couple of years ago i'd be very excited for colin miller i I, i'm not sure how i feel about him potentially coming in here but honestly that's the best name that i heard you you say and that's the one that f- fits the best with the Pittsburgh Penguins if Latang leaves. Could that be Buffalo sewering him, though? Uh, I don't know if that's it because Buffalo also, I mean, they're on the uptick. I'll give them that. But I also think when you play in Buffalo and you get to this point of the year where you haven't seen the Buffalo Sabres play meaningful hockey since January, I think that automatically does have that kind of reality on, on a guy and effect on a guy. So I don't know. I, I think that's the best name that you stated there.
1: All right, and I won't read too much further because not then it's just a bunch of left defensemen until you get to, uh, what was yeah. the name
0: I saw? Yeah, the Penguins don't need any more of those guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, until, I mean, Ian Cole could, looks like he could play both according to this. I think that bridge is burned. Yeah. Um, Justin Braun, no thanks. Troy Stetcher, no thanks. Ilya Labushkin, hey, it's a name, but top top six guy or top four guy or whatever. Is, is he left or right? This says right.
0: Okay. So, I mean maybe, but is he again, is he that guy that goes up there with John Marino on the top four right side? I don't I don't know. So, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions to be had with with the Penguins' defense. Obviously, this is a very minimal news update and we just stretched it out for 14 minutes because I mean, that's how important these two guys are because anytime there is an update like this, there's more things that you have to think about. So, we will obviously keep our eyes to the to the story that is Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang and their contracts, but it seems as if they're just looking for a breakthrough on either side. Uh, that, again, reported by Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic. Let's talk about something that takes outside of the realm of the players on the ice and the guys behind the bench. Todd Reardon and Mike Vellucci have both been connected to potential head coaching vacancies this summer, something I was not really... Expecting, to be completely honest, especially with a guy like Mike Volucci, because he hasn't had head coaching experience in the National Hockey League. I know that every once in a while, those guys get their names thrown out there. But there are a lot of open slots right now, but also a lot of very good coaches on the open market. You go back to the middle of the season, Paul Maurice left the Winnipeg Jets. If he wants to coach, he will get a job. Then you talk about Barry Trotz, Bruce Cassidy just became available. So there's a lot of really good prospects for head coaching in the NHL. And it seems as if both Reardon and Vellucci have gotten their name into that pool right now. Now Reardon was tied to the Chicago position by Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts earlier this week. They're headed for a complete rebuild. So this makes no sense to me. Like I, I like what Todd Reardon has done with the Pittsburgh Penguins defense. I think the fact that Cody Ceci had the season he did last year. I think you look at the season that Mike Matheson had this year, and that has to get partially attributed to Todd Reardon, if not larger attributions to Reardon. And also, you look at Letang, just had a career season at age 35. Reardon has something to do with that, because if you look at the way that he deploys his defense, he lets Matheson, he lets Letang play the way they want to play. Aggressive, up on the the pinching, on the boards, and just letting them play the style that they want to. So I think he's done a great job with the Penguins. And I also can see how Chicago's saying, hey, we need more out of Seth Jones. Maybe Reardon can help with that. We have one of the worst defenses in hockey. Maybe Reardon can help with that. But he has never really coached a rebuilding team. He might have, but it hasn't been since he came to the Pittsburgh Penguins in what, 2012? 2010? He's been on it he's been either an assistant or a head coach on a team that is competing for Stanley cups since 2010. So I don't see him going to a rebuilding team and starting all over with that.
1: Right. It, maybe they're looking at it as Todd Reardon has two years of head coaching under his belt. And both years it was with the capitals can't first in the division. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one thing to look at. He's a guy that can supplement defense and get make a winning team out of you. Which just let's be real is something Chicago needs. You know, they need to rebuild that defense and they need to bring back their winning ways. Now, if they're heading for straight for a rebuild though, maybe they also look at him being as an unsuccessful coach because yeah, two first place finishes. Where have they gone from there? Because yeah. I mean, that second one was the bubble year and they didn't want to participate in those playoffs. Yeah. So maybe they look at it as hey, he can just be the buffer coach until someone else becomes available when we're ready to roll. Yeah. It's just another way of looking at it. So I think, I mean, a coach going anywhere, I'm not going to say doesn't make sense mm-hmm. because it's, yes, a coach has a lot of say on the game, and mm-hmm. I especially believe that if I'm still dying on the hill of Mike Sullivan should have been up for a, a Jack Adams at some point in his tenure. Yeah. Um, he, The coaches aren't the ones on the ice, though. Sure, he's the one giving the motivation and getting the guys out there, but if if you were to say Todd Reardon's going to Chicago anywhere, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm just not Mm -hmm. shocked when coaches go anywhere. Also because there are, what, 34 coaches and 32 teams? Everyone's bound to go somewhere but also the Mike Vellucci one's interesting. I think that one's more interesting.
0: I think that one makes more sense to me when you look at the team that he's attached to it and, and been in rumors with, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers because Mike Vellucci has had an extensive career coaching minor league hockey and coaching junior hockey. And you look at the Flyers, what are they primed for? A lot of young players. We saw it in the last game between the Penguins and the Flyers. It was their young line with Tippett and uh, I don't Morgan Frost and guys like that that were getting the bulk majority of the playing time because they're going younger. Exactly. Because
1: not wanted to be there in that specific game.
0: And you look at Vellucci, 2018 Carter Cup champion, head coach of the Charlotte Checkers. He also had, I believe it was an 11-year career as the head coach of the Plymouth Whalers of the, I believe it was the QMJHL, I can't remember exactly which one they were in, but of, of the Canadian Hockey League, so major juniors. So he has extensive history teaching and coaching young guys. I could see the Flyers going for this. I think that would actually be a really good fit, but the only issue is I literally just saw Frank Zarevalli's tweet that attached Bruce Cassidy to potentially wanting and being involved in that deal and that team. So that kind of puts Volucci a little bit lower, but he had a long, that that's the word that Elliot Friedman used, a long interview with the Philadelphia Flyers for that open position. So to close this out, my question to you, Horwath, would be, which loss would hurt the Penguins more? We don't know if either of these guys are going to get those jobs or are going to get other jobs this summer, but the loss of Todd Reardon or the toss of Mike, loss of Mike Vellucci, which one would hurt the Penguins more?
1: Oh, man, it's hard. That's hard. I, because they're assistant coaches, um, probably find replacements fairly easily. I mean, you can remember not too long ago. Uh, we canned all of our assistants.
0: Yeah, two seasons ago when we brought these two guys in. Yeah.
1: We can't all but one, and then we can't him the next year. Yeah. Uh, so they're kind of – assistant coaches are kind of a dime a dozen. Um, but I would say when it comes down to it, <laughs> whichever one was manning the power play Reardon is the one that's easier to lose because, my God, that needs rebuilt. Yeah. Why not bring a new face in for that? And our penalty kill, Vellucci, seemed to be pretty do- doing pretty okay. Now – Again, I know Reardon was the one coaching the defense up, and that's mm-hmm. what made Latang probably really fire his game off. If you're losing Latang, if you're losing Latang, mm. though, big if, obviously. But if you're losing Letang, hmm, suddenly, I like I said, rebuild the defense. Why not have a new defensive coach in there who mm. can also bring in someone for the power play? This is turning into not a win win because you're losing Chris Letang, but this mm-hmm. is turning into a net positive mm. somewhere in my head.
0: I agree that you could use a revamped, I don't know, way way you want to use the power play, How do, philosophy for the power play. You need something for that Pittsburgh Penguins power play. Even if Latang and Malkin aren't back, there's still going to be tremendous talent on that unit, and you yeah. just need more than you got in this one. When I look at it, obviously, Bellucci's areas were much higher th- than Reardon's, The forwards were really good this year, even though they couldn't you know, finish. But the penalty kill was also very good this year. And you look on the other side, Reardon's power play was not that great, despite having great talent. And the defense was okay, but there were areas and times where you were like, okay, they need a little bit more. They need to be better than this. But I do think that it would hurt the Penguins more still if they lost a guy like Todd Reardon, because the defense, specifically if Latang is gone, is much more raw than this forward core. You look at the forwards, Crosby can lead the forwards. Gensel can lead the forwards. Rust can lead the forwards. Bluger has been here long enough. Carter has been here long enough. They have those guys. They have the horses. Meanwhile, on the back end, if they lose Letang and they lose Reardon, who's the leader there? Who's going to stand up? It's not going to be Joseph. He's 22 years old. It's not going to be Marino. He's not much older. Pedersen, not really outspoken. Matheson, is that your leader? I don't know. I think they need a strong voice and a consistent voice. So I would think that Todd Reardon would hurt the Penguins more. But either way, like you said, they are assistant coaches. You could probably find somebody to fill that void. But I do think it would hurt more losing Todd Reardon than Mike Bellucci in this case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's going to hurt losing either because they both brought something good to the team. Yeah. It's just a matter of which one... Uh, hurts more or less. Um, I just think the Volucci one's so interesting for head coach because he's never been a head coach before in the NHL. Not in the NHL, no. And you know what? A new coach, like a first-time head coach taking over a team like Philly because they suck right now, makes a lot of sense as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. It, floundering it does. Floundering
1: team that needs someone and some sort of th- something. Maybe it's just a temporary role again. Like I think, like I'm thinking with Reardon in Chicago, maybe it's something temporary, but it's something to help guide the team along it's also a new guy it's it's a hey we're all fine by the seat of our pants right now let's see what happens this year fair enough
0: yeah so we're going to take a quick break when we return we will talk about a little bit too early expectations because it's never too early to start looking into the future we'll do that right after the break Gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS at Manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. The Stanley Cup Finals are almost here, but let's keep the playoff beards above the belt this season. Manscaped is designed with fathers in mind and the Performance Package 4.0 is here just in time for your Pops special day. Inside this package, he'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear & Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and Travel Bag to hold all his goodies. But wait, there's more. Manscaped just launched their brand new Boxers 2.0 that, dare I say, are the best boxers ever. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a single sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for you and your dad. Ladies, buy this for your man. And doggy daddies, you deserve this treat too. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code stealers. Shake what your mama gave you. Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And Hora, let me tell you this right now.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. After reading that ad, Mm-hmm. doing that ad read i needed to to drink about three or four water bottles yeah i was i was dehydrated after that that is one of the longest ad reads i've ever had to read in my life
1: yeah you know it came out really well came oh out thank really you good T- sounded solid uh, first take welcome <laughs> well, welcoming manscaped back into our fold my yes goodness. those ads are incredible so well love the product too so Good. I'm happy to have Manscaped back. Everyone uses the promo code All Steelers, which, by the way, love that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're all connected here on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation for sure. But the big thing about that entire thing is welcome back an old friend in Manscaped. But let's continue to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins because it's never too early to talk about expectations for next season, right? Let's do it right now because we have nothing else to talk about because we've already broken down the news in 20 minutes and have to talk a little bit more. And you know what? I was thinking about this throughout the last couple of days. I expect this team to do better, obviously, next season than this past season if they get into the postseason. And honestly, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that this Pittsburgh Penguins team for the 18th straight year is heading back to the playoffs. What do you think? 17, but yes. Is it 17? Oh, yes. It's going to be year 18 of Crosby, year 17 of the streak if they get there, which I believe they do.
1: Hey, you know what? I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm i going to agree with that as well, just because Sidney Crosby will not let this team lose. It doesn't matter who he's playing with or playing without. As long as Sidney Crosby's the 1C and is playing healthy. As long as Tristan Jari has another great season like he did this year and is playing healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? The back end? Ugh, it's got question marks, but we can figure that it out. It does. We can outscore our problems if we need to. Welcome, Johnny <laughs> Goudreau. Um, yeah, I think this team could totally make the playoffs again, especially because every – every time you look around the east keeps getting weaker it seems Mm -hmm. now boston's not the same anymore especially if uh uh bergeron especially if bergeron's retiring Mm -hmm. especially if they're starting the season without Marshand. especially if they're starting the season without mcavoy Mm -hmm. there's a lot of and without bruce cassidy now boston's a different team next year maybe they're not as good The Islanders, I mean, they sucked at the beginning of the year, but were really pulling it around, and now they're without their head coach. Yeah. Now they need someone to really up their scoring anyway. They get the right coach, there could be something interesting there. And maybe one or two more people who can actually score. The Devils are still not good. I don't know if their time is ever going to come. I didn't think the Rangers' time was going to come this year, but Mm -hmm. here they are. Maybe they fall back down. (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, it just and the and the Washington Capitals keep regressing because they're they seem to only be worried about Ovechkin's goal pace. You know, t- to each his their own, I guess. Yeah. So the that's just that within our division and Boston, but it's something about the East it just keep, and we're part of it, part of the deterioration. By the way, I'm not saying the Penguins keep getting better and better every year. We're part of the East that just keeps looking not bad, but just keeps being dominated by guys like the tampa bay lightning Mm -hmm. or the carolina hurricanes for a little while um the east just doesn't look as strong as it used to it used to be the beast in the east the metro used to be the most feared division in the league i don't know if it really is anymore it might still be because it's the most consistent um given the penguins in the capitals recent years Mm -hmm. but that west is dangerous we saw what edmonton just did sure they need a goalie we see what uh colorado is doing We see that Calgary might have their stuff figured out. Um, The Kings are getting sharp again. Who knows? The Sharks might turn something around. There's a lot of stuff going on in the West, and I think the East is just regressing. Whereas if the Penguins can just not regress as much, yeah, absolutely, playoff team.
0: Yeah, if you can stay afloat, basically, in the East is what it seems like. When you look at the NHL as a whole, from 2010 to 2015, very vast majority was it dominated by the Western Conference. 2016 to 2022 right now, mostly Eastern Conference champions. The only one that slid in there was the St. Louis Blues, and that took a very good performance in Game 7 against a very good Boston Bruins team. So, yes, it is starting to swing back out West, but when I look at the East, that's the biggest thing, because I'm not saying the Penguins are going to be a Stanley Cup contender next year, because that is, is just farcical not something you can say
1: they didn't win a first round and I can't call them a contender until they win the first round I forgot about that
0: we'll have that discussion here in a minute because I actually am going to walk myself back on that one because of what we saw but looking at the east next season because that's what I'm looking at right now get into the playoffs and then anything can happen we saw it this year with Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers because they didn't have a goaltender they didn't have a bottom six and they still went the whole way to the east, their western conference finals but when you look at the east This year, it was a vast split and a vast difference between the playoff and non-playoff teams. So the non-playoff teams are already so far below where the Penguins are. Some of them are going to get better. The Red Wings could push for a playoff spot next season. We'll have to see what they do. The Devils, you're lower on them than I am. Because I look at them and I look at untapped potential this season. I look at... uh, Players like Sharon Govich and Koukonen, who took a step back, that could get back to where they were two years ago, and that team all of a sudden, with good goaltending, becomes a fringe playoff team. I look at the Islanders, though, they're moving backwards, because no coach got more out of his roster than Barry Trotz, and that's still going to be one of the oldest, if not the oldest, roster in the NHL next season. So I think they're moving backwards. And I think there's some of the teams in the top eight that are taking a step back as well. Bruins, you already mentioned it, taking a step back in a big way. There's people that are saying the Bruins are getting ready to have a one season tank fest to try to go get Connor Bedard, which would be something that would make complete and utter sense. Yeah. But they're not going to be the team that they were this season, which is a team that is a shell of what they were in 2019 that we just discussed. Florida has to come closer to reality because that team, first of all, you're going to lose a couple guys. Second of all, They were just that dang good in the regular season this year. You're not going to be able to replicate that. Now, will they be better in the postseason? It's hard to get worse than getting swept in the second round, the way that they played. But still, the Maple Leafs, I have questions about them still in the playoffs. If they couldn't get it done this year, there's still questions next year. The Rangers, listen, this is a fantastic run. And they're going to be probably one of the beasts in the East next year. Same with Carolina, although questions are starting to pop up about their playoff viability as well. But when I look at the East, I don't think the Penguins are losing ground. Even without Malkin and Latang, there's a lot of questions, but you have the cap space to answer some of them. And that's, it comes down to how you use it. But as of today, looking at the Penguins roster and looking at what they have, I'm confident this is a playoff team next year. I'm confident this is a team that can win a playoff round next year. Because of the way they played, listen, last year, I was still on the train of, I need to see you win a playoff series before I can trust you again. Because they lost in six. Their starting goaltender was so bad that I needed to see something. This year, there's nothing more that I needed to see from them. Obviously, I need to see who they sign and what the roster looks like. But you lost because you had a third string goaltender in. Your captain went out. Your your star trade deadline acquisition went out in the first round. And you still outplayed a team that's currently... Tied 2-2 two to two in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is a team that could have won a series. Who knows what happens if they get into the second round against Carolina. They might lose. They might win. Hindsight is twenty twenty on the whole series. And you can't have revisionist history because you just don't know what would have happened. But this is a team that I think should have won a round this year. They performed well enough to win a round this year. And I expect them to win one next year. So my expectation for the Pittsburgh Penguins next year? Playoffs for the 17th straight season. And a first-round victory. Now, of course, that's a little harder because if they go up against the Rangers again, that's a tough that's a tough draw. If they go up against the Hurricanes again, that's a tough draw. But I see them finishing somewhere between the three and four spot in the Metropolitan Division. And if they get the four spot, I think they're the top wild card in the Eastern Conference. That's my expectations. And a first-round series win. I don't think they're a cup contender, but I do think they have a
1: first-round series win. They can't be a contender until they win a round. This has gone You're on too that? long. stuck on that? Yeah, <clears throat> well, they didn't win around, and it was I said this year if they win around, I'll start calling them a contender. And you know what? That slips to the Leafs as well. So if we want to talk about teams that can't get past the first round, yeah, that slips to the Capitals as well. All of them. They cannot be these teams that, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Leafs. They were all contenders at one point, legitimate contenders. <laughs> Hell, the Capitals and the Penguins were winning the cup, so they are definitely contenders in there uh now they have lost that they can make the playoffs all they want they can't be considered contenders until they actually win a round i mean look at the red wings in the last few years of their 25 year run they weren't contenders but they were making it in you can make it in all you want
0: but they were also barely making it in the pittsburgh penguins have been finishing in third place second place in the division they won the division last year so they're not i don't think on the same par as the red wings i honestly think not at all i honestly think next year's pittsburgh penguins are on the same exact level because the Penguins and the Capitals have been running parallel to each other ever since 2005, really, the entire salary cap era. But realistically, what you saw this year from the Capitals, bringing up guys like Martin Fervari, 22-year-old on defense, bringing up a guy like Connor McMichael, a 21-year-old, that came up and made a difference, that's what the Penguins are going to do next year. We've talked about their youth. And the Capitals at the beginning of the season were a wagon. Like, do we not forget through two months of the season, they were in first place in the Metro. Ovi was scoring at will. That whole team was great, and that was without Nick Backstrom. So I think the Penguins are going to be on a similar trajectory, but I also think that the Pittsburgh Penguins have better top-end talent than the Washington Capitals do right now. I mean, Oshie was injured a lot of the season. Mantha couldn't really put his stamp on the season for them, but if you look at Gensel, Rust, Crosby, they're right there. And I think this Penguins team, if I'm looking at the divisions for next year, I have them right now at third in my power rankings in the Metro, behind the two teams that finished ahead of them this
1: year in Carolina and New York. That's fair, and that's totally fair. Those are two teams that are very good regular season teams. You know, and I'll keep regular season. I'll keep that regular season stamp on the. I'll keep them on them both. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll hold on to the Hurricanes not being able to get it done, and I'll hold on to the Rangers only playing. Well, now it's a couple of games, but until the third round, only playing one game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: barely uh against a full-time starting goaltender so and let's, again let's be real we have a full-time starting goaltender in that series they don't make past the first round a lot of people have said
0: that yeah
1: and i'm one of them so
0: i mean i, I tend to agree but i mean a lot of people that are national yeah nationally covering the game also have said the same thing listen it, and we've always said you know if the rangers get past the next round and get past the lightning then all things are changed but vasilevsky uh, looked pretty good in game four good Ah, uh, good. Uh, I don't know. I don't care who comes out of that one because I want them both to lose. Oh, I, I don't really care who comes out of that one because I just want the most entertaining Stanley Cup final. I don't think there's really a downfall of either. I think the Lightning's a better storyline, but I think either way it's going to be entertaining. So. Yeah, it's hard. I, I think that, that makes a perfect segue there. Let's talk about our shout-outs and our call-outs to end this show. I'm shouting out a player that is going to be in the Stanley Cup final already. He has punched his ticket. And that's Kale McCarr. I mean, the guy had five points in game four against the Edmonton Oilers to put him away. One goal, four assists. He shut down Connor McDavid as well as anyone has ever shut down Connor McDavid. Like, you're never going to completely neutralize that guy. But the way that McCarr was able to play, his foot speed was a massive part of it. His skating ability was a massive part of it. But he was able to stay with McDavid. I was, I was highly impressed there. He's the favorite for the Conn Smythe right now. He has 22 points in 14 games this postseason as a defenseman. Him and Adam Fox doing the same thing in separate conferences. And I said it on a podcast a little over a month ago. He has the potential. He's very young. And there's still a lot of hockey to be played in his career. But he has the potential to be a top five defenseman of all time. He has the potential to be right up there alongside the Bobby Orr's. The Ray Borks. Those type of guys is what I see from Kale McCarr because not only is he insanely talented offensively, not only is he probably the best skater on the blue line that we've seen since a guy like Bobby Orr, but he's great defensively. He is fantastic. He has a high hockey IQ, and between him and Nathan McKinnon, the East, whoever comes out of it, has its work cut out for him.
1: He shut down Connor McDavid pretty pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, the, the Avalanche are scary. Campbell cars has got a hell of a future in front of him. That could be a mm-hmm. ton of fun. Really yeah. could be. What's your shout-out? Yeah, yeah, go I, ahead. I, was, I didn't know if you had anything else. <laughs> no. Uh, I want to shout-out uh, Yarmir Yager. So this is a fun one. Yeah. Every every year, Stanley Cup Finals roll around. And there's that one tweet that is, that is, for the whatever year in a row, a teammate of Yarmir Yager's has made the Stanley Cup Final. Since 1979, that has happened. This now... This year's not fully decided. This one's also confusing because it could already be that if you don't count them, that there's basically an asterisk on it this year that this is the first year since 1979 it won't happen. Mm-hmm. But Greg McKeg and Keith Kincaid are both on the Rangers roster and have played games with Yardbear Yager. So they're not playing games in the playoffs. Do you count that? To, I think
0: the thing is to not feature a teammate I think they would have to be in. So the second they get in, I would say
1: that Yager's streak continues. So Craig mckay has got to break a roster. So to speak, can and make the final. which they I think he's their third or fourth. He's third or fourth. Yeah. So he's Craig McKay's more likely, yeah. But let's say they don't play. It is the first time since 1979 that a Yarmir Yager teammate would not be in the Stanley Cup final. What a run. <laughs> Yeah. First of all. Secondly, how? Like, <laughs> Well, you have to think is... about
0: the fact that not only did he play for so long, but he played, but he played so with so many, many different teams.
1: teams. So many different players that have all also gone on to play for so many other teams. He probably is a, team, a teammate, teammate on damn near all 32 teams. Well, at this point, maybe not. But, I mean, just such a long career playing for so many teams and just – having that many teammates in that many years in a row is such an impressive stat. I love that stat every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be sad to see it go this year. I'm, I'm not rooting for the Rangers and Greg McKeg to make the finals, but I mean, if the Rangers get in, uh, put, put the kegger in, please. Just one game. <laughs> just one game. Well, I think the funniest thing is
0: looking back at the teammates that he had in the list of players that technically count first and foremost in 1991 and 1992. It just says Yarmir Yager, obviously, so. but, uh, I love that. 80 to 84, the or 80 to 83, I should say. The first four years of this was Brian Trachier and then four of the next six years was all Marc Messier. Yep. I do I, not remember him playing with Marc Messier. I'm assuming it was in New York.
1: Yeah, because there's, I, in the tweet that I saw, it, it must have been, like, Yager's first year there. Yeah. And Messier's last, last. probably. Had to I don't ever remember watching Marc Messier play hockey, but mm. it, I guess it was a thing. Um, yeah, so because I saw the picture of those two on the bench together. So, uh, yeah, that had to be the one time Mm -hmm. and it being Messier in there is really funny. And then obviously of those two, uh, are there any more interesting names in that one?
0: Uh, Peter Sikora in 2009 for the Pittsburgh Penguins cup. Uh, the two for the other Penguins cups were Matt Cullen. Yeah. So apparently played with Matt Cullen, and the the entire thing ends. If you look at some of these players, they're all really good too. I mean Scott Gomez, Chris Drury, Brendan Shanahan, Jay Pandolfo, uh, Recky A couple different times is on this list. Then there's other names that are not as good. I mean Yuri Herdina, Doug Brown. Uh, who was the other one I saw? Dan Carcillo's on here. So and and the Buck would end. I think I said this already with John Merrill last year being the last teammate of Yarmou Yager to be in the Stanley Cup Finals.
1: I'm still looking for that Messier here. When did this happen? 42.
0: <laughs> I don't know because Messier is on there several times. It seems like this wouldn't be a thing without Mark Messier.
1: No, absolutely not. Um, I'm just trying to remember when Messier would have played with him in New York because there is that picture. Like I saw a picture of them in Rangers uniforms.
0: It might be a thing where very less publicized, but like Crosby and Lemieux were on the same team, but it was only for like, Half a season, I don't. Yeah, know. but
1: I'm just like flipping through Hockey Reference years, and maybe I should have gone to Mark Messier. But probably just, <laughs> uh, until 2004, did he go back? Oh three, oh four for a whole season. Why isn't his name on this list? Oh three, oh four, the year right before the lockout. You mean the, the year that nobody paid attention? Yeah, there it is for a whole season. They were on the same team in oh three, oh four. Interesting. Wow. Well, and actually, Messier was second on the team in scoring. Yager was ninth wow that must have been the trade the uh, trade year maybe. from washington to new york so there you have it ladies and gentlemen must be
0: the end of an uh, end of an era really because every year it's like oh which one of jogger's former teammates is going to be in the stanley cup finals but uh i guess <laughs> not i can't i don't know the name of the player that was on edmonton that he played with because they, edmonton? they Edmonton was the, the team that got eliminated then this started coming out I'm pretty sure but I don't oh. know if that was it or not but that's something I'll have to look up after we get off the show maybe but, like Mike Smith I mean Smith just, had played for a while but I don't know if he played anywhere with Yager but
1: Calgary maybe
0: maybe that's that might gotta be, be the
1: one <laughs> that might
0: be it but uh, we'll have to double check that reference that come back and maybe bring it up on Monday's episode but Speaking of the Edmonton Oilers, that's where my call-out's going. I'm calling out general manager Ken Holland for saying and not doing anything about the goaltending situation this season before the playoffs. I mean, basically saying that I don't want to spend a first-round pick on Marc-Andre Fleury, where who knows if Fleury would have been better in this playoffs because Fleury is a coin flip in the postseason, but the way that Mike Smith played is, is... polarizing because there were times that even in the same game, I'd be like, wow, he is making highlight save after highlight save. This is 2012 coyotes, Mike Smith. And then he would let in a goal like the one in the Calgary series where he let in a goal from center ice, or he let in that shorthanded or not shorthanded goal, but he let in that game winning goal by uh, comfort in game three that should have easily been saved by 95 or to 99% of hockey goaltenders. But I, I really think that, It's not Mike Smith's fault. The guy's 40 plus years old at this point playing starting goaltender. But realistically, how did you go into the playoffs with him and Koskinen? Because clearly they didn't trust Koskinen. Because if they would have, Smith would have been out at some point in game number four. He would have been out. That was an awful third period. They went up into the third period, three to one. And then he gave up, what, four goals in the third and then one in overtime. It was just not a great performance by Smith. I don't blame him. I blame Ken Holland because it's another year. I wouldn't say wasted of Connor McDavid because it was a great run. It was a historic run for McDavid in in the postseason. You won two series. I'm sure Edmonton fans are going to remember this for a long time until something else upstages it. But still, another year for Connor McDavid. No Stanley Cup Finals, whereas you were that close and maybe spending a first-round pick on a goaltender would have been what pushed you there. I don't know because Colorado, I mean, it was still a sweep. It was the most competitive sweep I've ever seen. But still, Colorado is just a powerhouse, so I don't really blame them that much. But still, you should have had somebody else in net there or another option at least. Anybody else. <laughs> Any, maybe not
1: Louis Anybody, Dene. Maybe yeah. not Casey DeSmith. <laughs> but but Mike Smith? Hey, listen,
0: Casey DeSmith as a backup i'm not going to get on him about that
1: no but mike smith mike smith that that was your option go your only option oh man that's that team could use a goaltender team could use a goalie well that team could use a lot of things right now and a goalie's prime among them let's be real they had a goalie have a goalie in there. connor but david's not stopping not stopping i don't know again i don't know if they beat this year's avalanche
0: team but they are closer for sure
1: yeah definitely closer
0: so, Horwat, who are you calling out? Take us home.
1: Mine's a weird one. I, I, I want your opinion on things first. What are your okay. thoughts on the live, this new golf league? It's it's very intriguing. Yes. Uh, it, it's making me upset
0: because it's splitting up the best golfers in the world, and I've just started, like, this year has been really entertaining in the golf world. You know, Tiger Woods trying to get back into it. How good a lot of the top players are. I mean, Scotty Scheffler's been great. My guys, my guy Ricky's still struggling. And he might be going to the live tour, but nonetheless, I don't, I don't want to say that I am against them doing it because, you know, you got to get your money, but if you want to be a little morally challenged and you're a little bit like, okay, money over morals, then I can see it. I don't know. I I can't say that I wouldn't because, you know, money is a a massive motivator in this world, but. That's something that really is going to test people's morals if if they get that offer.
1: It sure is, and guess what? The live has teed off this morning. So, the PGA has released their statement, and this is what I'm calling it the PGA because they guess they are just stripping these guys of things. They I saw 17 guys. Suspensions have been handed out. It's and you uh, have some big names on this list: Sergio, Dustin Johnson, Mark Kimer Phil. Phil Mickelson, Kevin Na. Louis Oosthuizen, Ian Poulter. Didn't Bryson DeChambeau just? I don't want to say n- defect, but his name's not on the what list. His name's not on the list, so I really don't know. I've just been seeing names. Uh, all I know is, as the PGA, how high and mighty are you? I get there's a lot of, um, what's it called? Moral things going on here with taking the, in Saudi money. Yeah, get dilemmas. Up. Yeah, get that. Understand that. But you can't blame a lot of these guys for seeing a giant paycheck in front of their face and saying, that's guaranteed. And especially for a guy like Dustin Johnson, who's won a couple majors. Like, hey, he's done the PGA thing. Time to, not to retire in peace, but collect a paycheck and see what else there is down the road. Because Mm -hmm. these guys can all still play majors. They can all come back and still play the Masters, play the Open, play the U.S. Open. They can still do all that. That's where it becomes interesting. That's where I kind of side with the big guys like Phil and DJ. Like, they've done the PGA thing. They've done a lot in the PGA thing and probably already PGA Tour Hall of Famers, if you will. Then they get handed just a giant blank check and say, fill it in yourselves. Oh, hey, you can still go play in those big events back home. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes a little more interesting. Again, moral stuff, I understand. Uh, but also, uh, last place gets a also gets a boatload of money. Sign me up. <laughs> last yeah. place is getting like one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? I'll take that. Yeah. Um, it's it's and then, it's like, not
0: the first professional sport to go over and and do the Saudi entire thing because the UFC has been over there since the pandemic. That's that's how they survived through it. WWE has that, been over there several years as mention. well.
1: Because this sound This looks like a WWE thing because... And now, morally much different, but it's all of a sudden, there's another league out there. AEW. Yeah. There's another league out there where these big guys can go make big paychecks. Speaking of AEW, some big things are happening over there. Did you see the... Oh, I forget his name. It's three letters. Another pipe bomb was dropped in wrestling and it was quite uh, entertaining. MJF. MJF. He went off. That being said... um. This could get interesting. The LIV has officially teed off yeah. on their Thursday morning. Uh, I appreciate that the LIV's um, uh, header, or I guess their slogan, is golf but louder. I like that. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of interesting things going on in golf right now. and Just as it, just as golf is starting to peak again in popularity, mm-hmm. this comes up. So maybe that was also the LIV kind of capitalizing on some uh, popularity. Yeah, that's true but this could get interesting we'll see yeah. how it goes it get, are we about to get the sunday sunday evening wars yeah i was about to say instead of the Ryder
0: cup it's the just the golf cup and it's the best live versus the best pga yeah i mean that PGA. would be good for golf because yeah. it would drive interest the pga is too I, high and
1: mighty for that though you have to remember the that's the one thing about the pga and that's part of the cause that they're just too damn snooty about with themselves you know it's yeah. it's we are the pga you could only certain players can play in our majors. Only certain players can do this. Only certain players can do this. Guess what? Not well, anymore. Maybe this, yeah, I was about to say, maybe this is what knocks them down a peg. It should. And like I said, like that was kind of referencing the Monday night wars on that. Give, mm. give me the Sunday afternoon into evening wars. <laughs> the weekend <laughs> Where, wars. The, yes. <laughs> Where like the Liv comes up with their own major and then they just happen to pin it in the same week. I mean, then you have player conflicts. Then you pin mm. it the same week as the Masters. Ooh. Yeah, and then all the people that hate golf go, "I'm not watching either." Moving along. Yeah, honestly, but
0: it's something that's certainly interesting. I don't know what I would do in that instance. You know, you can everybody can say what they would do until they actually see that check in front of their faces. So for everybody saying that they would know exactly what they did would do in that position, you wouldn't until somebody literally showed you a two hundred thousand dollar check to play one weekend of golf. Like that's. That's that's something that vastly changes it, and you can say you're as morally strong as anybody in this world, until you're in that situation. I don't believe a word anybody says. (laughs) It's
1: hard. It's hard. No one, no one's all, no one's for capitalism until they get handed a huge check. Yeah, that's the way it is. That's gonna do it for this episode of
0: the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back on Monday talking about more Pittsburgh Penguins news. Hopefully, if not, you know we're gonna be here talking anyway. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwatt 41 and at Nick You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at iceberg podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at inside the penguins. This show is brought to you by S.I. Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.